0: Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash excelsiorjourneys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today.
1: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with
0: George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Sorori. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for enjoying all of season two. It's been just an amazing ride it's talking with so many great people, so many wonderfully talented people. And it's just gonna keep on getting better, guys. Uh, next week, we will be recording episode 50. Can't believe we've gotten this far. And this has just been a real wild ride. For any of you who have not yet done this, please subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, and it's home base Podbean. Um, if you are gonna subscribe anywhere, if I had my preferences, I would ask please subscribe on Apple. And please let me know when you do because Apple has this weird thing where they don't tell people that that uh, that they that people are subscribing to their shows. So thank you all of you for, for tuning in. Now, for those of you who are readers, you probably know the name E.G. Scott right by now. Uh, E.G. Scott had a strong debut with the book The Woman Inside and now is celebrating the release of the latest book, In Case of Emergency. What you might not know is that E.G. Scott is actually two people. And not only two people, but two people that I know very, very well. And um, I am so thrilled to be able to speak with them. Uh, E.G. Scott is actually uh, Liz Keenan and Greg Wands. Now, those of you who went to Marymount Manhattan College during the times that I did from 94 to 98, you know those names very, very well. And so it's gonna be a real treat to hear their story about how they were able to come together and get into this very very wonderful industry of of book writing and book publishing and getting getting their work out there for all of their for all the readers to see now the funny thing is is that um, uh, Liz and I like our circles crossed maybe like um, one time in the classroom. we both took advanced studies in theater together um, thankfully we had uh, we had a lot of mutual friends so we had known each other uh, fairly well. Greg Wands and I, meanwhile, could never say hello to each other without throwing out a quote from Tombstone. Uh, that just seemed to be our thing. And so it's, uh, it's gonna be a real treat getting to let them tell you their stories about how they got to Marymount and made their way through those those wonderful years and then all the years beyond and then the time that brought them together as a partnership. So. Uh, please allow me to introduce the wonderful duo of E.G. Scott, Liz Keenan, and Greg Wands. Liz, how are you? And Greg, where are you going with that shotgun?
2: <laughs> Hi, George. It's so great to be here. It's so good to see you on Zoom, and um, it's an honor. I'm so happy that you stayed in storytelling.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've, uh, it's, yeah, it's and uh, not only not only doing this but also you know with the audiobook narrating and obviously as as an author myself it's uh, it's been it's been a real it's been a real thrill and being able to do this and being able to tell so many so many of my friends stories and let them be known is a real privilege
2: awesome yeah
0: all right so let's start a little bit let's start uh, with the current thing that you guys got going on right now which is the release of in case of emergency Tell us a little bit about this book. Do you want to take it, Greg? I will. Firstly, that's
1: that's Latin, darling. Uh, secondly, <laughs> uh, yeah, this. So, so as George, as you, as you, you know, laid out for for our listeners, um, we the three of us in this virtual room together go back, you know, mm-hmm. twenty some odd years. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting that we all kind of have uh, gravitated towards. Um, book writing as a storytelling medium. Uh, Absolutely. Or one of the storytelling telling mediums that we engage in. Um, yeah, these books came together. I mean, Liz and I, you know, certainly were friends then. We were all in the theater department together. So we hadn't really sort of concentrated uh, our, our efforts and our sort of interests in the avenue of, uh, of you know, novel writing. But I right. think we had we'd all been friends at the time. And I think as, as certainly we did with you as well, like, we had a lot of, um, Liz and I, between the two of us, had a lot of sort of, um, free, you know, points of reference in terms of films, in terms of books, in terms of television. Oh, so yeah. it was one of those things, you know, so it was one of those things, right, where it kind of, we, as we got to know each other and as we were first becoming friends, we sort of identified a lot of those things. And I think it's one of those things where that's the through line that you can sort of track all the way till, a, you know, a few years ago when we really got together and, um Sort of started in earnest on this journey of writing books as a as a writing duo, and mm-hmm. a lot of those a lot of those early things that we had as reference points or inspirations or sort of influences um, I think led us to sort of come together in this uh, in this uh, you know this forum
2: and in case of emergency in particular for any Marymount alumni or current, there are some Easter eggs. That we've put in there i think there's a reference to DeHirsch. hirsch yes. our, nice <laughs> our freshman, uh, it was my freshman and sophomore year dorms i know some people were at what was, that? It was my
0: senior dorm it was my oh, senior was year dorm, dorm? <laughs> yeah. they tried to get me they remember the allerton remember oh, that yeah. um yeah. The, the the mess that was the allerton they tried to get yeah. me in there in my senior year and then i i did the i did the one thing that they probably were afraid of the most. I was living in the area, so I went ahead and took a look at it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to be here. <laughs> just like you, you know like and they were like, well how can we help you? I was just like, you can you can set me up into Hirsch and you can have Jonathan Norton as my roommate. And you're like, that's what you can do.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't wasn't the Allerton condemned shortly? It AM? was. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. I,
2: and I believe there was a class action suit against <laughs> the the building. And maybe yeah. Marymount. Possibly but, um, Marymount
0: as well, yeah. And uh, then they move uh, everyone, I think, over to, like, was it Roosevelt Island? Yeah, they started doing Roosevelt Island. That's right. They yeah. Push, like, 98 I never
2: I never lived on Roosevelt Island, but I thought it was so cool to take the tram back and forth to parties. It was... Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, yeah. I do remember then, that, yeah.
2: And then the, the tram was in. Was it Spider-Man? The, yes, the first uh, one. Spider, yeah. the first one. So that yep. that felt really like special to see. You know, a little piece of our college <laughs> on the big screen.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. So there, so there are a lot of different Easter eggs. You said like, uh, you know, like.
2: Yeah, I mean, we. I think that one of the things, and we can talk about our process, but you know. I think the hallmark of Greg and I writing together is very kind of um, emblematic of our friendship. So it's like, it's very improvisational. It's very playful. We, Mm -hmm. we write chapters for each other to entertain and shock and stump the other. So it's like, of course, we're going to do Easter eggs that are, you know, references to our favorite movies, books and people. So you'll definitely find names of characters that you're like, wait a second. (laughs) Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, we, we have some landmark Easter eggs and, you know, I, I, think, I think it's important to write for readers, for sure, in the sense that as you're writing, you really want to give the reader credit, you know, right. that they're, <clears throat> excuse me, experiencing mm-hmm. the book, uh, you know, pacing and character development, but also you have to write for yourself. And I think yeah. the fantastic thing about having this writing partnership that is off of 20 plus years of a friendship is like we can kind of pull from all of this collective, like, context, as Greg said, and make each other laugh, because we're also writing about really serious, kind of gnarly shit. So not to make light of any of the subjects we write about, you know, namely murder, but Mm -hmm. we like to put some stuff in there to kind of keep it light for us, because it can be a little bit of a depressing run if you're just only doing murder and mayhem.
0: Yeah, yeah, you gotta like you gotta get some sort of levity in there, just so that you can make that, give that sort of thrill ride kind of feel to it.
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah. Um, So let's let's talk a little bit about that moment, that lightning bolt moment that made you that made you want to get on the path that led you eventually to Marymount Manhattan College. What was that moment? Because like we all, like uh, Greg said, we all started out going to going to school there, studying theater. So, what was it about theater? What was it about that that made you want to say, "That's what I want to do. That's where I. That's what I want to be a part of." And eventually, with Marymount, that's where I want to go. What was uh, what were your stories with that?
1: Well, it's it's sort of a, it's funny actually. I was thinking about this earlier, sort of in anticipation of this conversation. I was sort of mm-hmm. taking a bit of a stroll, you know, down memory lane. Right. And Liz and I certainly have talked about this you know, fairly recently, but it was a circuitous path. And I'm realizing for myself how sort of um, inextricably linked this path was in that as a, as a kid, as a, as a young kid, I was a big big reader. I loved, you know, storybooks. I loved movies. I loved all of that. I loved, I loved the kind of the narrative device. Right. Right. And I actually, I got into theater in, in, ninth grade, and it was through my English teacher, my ninth grade English teacher, who was also the director of the theater department, who, like, directed all the shows, right? Oh, and perfect. I, and I, yeah, and I think largely that happened probably because I was, you know, I, I was sort of acting out in class, and she's like, okay, this is, let's figure out a, a way to, you know, direct some of this energy in, in maybe a more productive way rather than you just interrupting my class, you know, at, a, at any turn, right? Yeah. So I ended up actually getting into theater through my sort of love of English and books, um, Mm -hmm. which then brought us to Marymount. And I'm not gonna speak too much for Liz, but we definitely had this conversation about how we realized, I think over the course of being at Marymount, how we were more in love with the storytelling aspect than the performative aspect of theater. Mm -hmm. And And I think almost being in the theater department there, uh, which we were passionate about at the time, obviously also helped to sort of clarify that it was the storytelling aspect. So in a way that actually brought us back to the written, you know, the written word and the page right. from, from the, you know, off the stage, if you will. So it, 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 it's sort of, it's, it's sort of full circle and it's interesting how one thing sort of feeds into the other and forms the other and clarifies
0: the other, I would say. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Liz, what was your story?
2: You know, I I have, like, a lot of identification with the, you know, being a big reader and writing young, and I was, you know, I was kind of a solitary introverted kid, and I think by the time I got to high school, when people were really kind of figuring out, like, what they excel at, whether it be sports or, you know, debate or student government, you know, or being popular, you know, I was not quite, like, excelling in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways until I got into my first theater class and I remember doing a monologue from Spoon River Anthology and Mm -hmm. I remember like just clicking it really something changed and it was kind of you know it was it was I don't transcendent is such an overused word but it just really felt right and Mm -hmm. I totally got validation when I got off the you know the little stage and like the guy I had a crush on came up to me and he was like, that was amazing. You should be an actor. So I mean, like many life life decisions, it probably had a little (laughs) too much to do with uh, outside (laughs) approval. But it did set me on this path of feeling like I could excel playing Mm -hmm. other parts. And, you know, I think a lot of us at Marymount, certainly, and a lot of actors and creative people, like, you find your tribe. Yeah. And I found my tribe with, you know, the theater kids, I, you know, I, I was writing and I really, I wrote, I remember I wrote a play in high school that the drama teacher was really supportive of and they were still performing it like years after I left. So I feel like I, I, I was kind of always on the path to write, but mm-hmm. when I started looking into theater programs, I was like, no, I want to be an actor. And yep. that's what kind of brought me to Marymount. And I had a friend in high school, Mike Archuleta, who graduated oh, yeah. two years above us. And mm-hmm. he was, he had gotten into this amazing up and coming theater program, Marymount Manhattan. And he was like, you've got to audition. And um, I think I only applied for like three colleges um, mm-hmm. and they were all incredible, well, four. It was like Juilliard, NYU, Mason Gross and Marymount. I, I, totally bombed all of the auditions, <laughs> because lo and behold, I have really bad stage fright to this day. Really? And yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like, I think I thought, you know, that adage, like, you know, do something that you fear every day, or yeah. face your fears. I think that's actually bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the feel the fear, but do it anyway kind of yeah, thing? Yeah,
2: like, no. it just, it's, it wasn't like I ever overcame, like, I got up in front of enough crowds that that feeling went away from me I think mm-hmm. I've learned how to manage it differently but yeah. my first audition at Marymount I was kind of saying to you earlier like I just totally blanked I blanked and I like I think ran out I cried I remember calling wow. my dad phone from the theater hallway and uh-huh. you know a couple of weeks later really realizing I was so upset because it had been important to me and I called mm-hmm. Bill Bordeaux the late Greg yeah. Bordeaux and yep. said, you know, I really bombed this, but I, I really want to do this. And he said, come back and audition. And it was it, it, kind of yeah. one of those moments of grace, lives life-changing moments. So yep. got into the BA program. And mm-hmm. we don't have to talk about, or we can talk about later, some of, like, the politics of school, the <laughs> BA versus the BFA.
0: Yeah, um, there, there's a share. Yeah, there's a share. <laughs> I, I remember my, my sophomore year, I went ahead and, because I had gotten into the BA program as well. And then my sophomore year, I decided why not and just auditioned for the BFA. And I remember my my audition wound up getting like cut off by you know someone in particular um, who seemed to make a point. Who always seemed to make a point of like having me audition for him and everything, and will get me like so, you know like so much you know like hope. And then just right at that one moment, just kind of pull the rug out, you know like. He, Yeah, he he tended to enjoy that quite a bit, which you know, like made made me a little bit uh leery when I saw that he had finally like friend requested me on Facebook and was like, Really? (laughs) I was expecting to say like, okay, and then he just goes and unfriends me right away just to just to keep the tradition going alive. But um but uh but yeah, I know exactly what you mean when it comes when it comes to that. Yeah. I I think some might refer to it as sadism but i i don't know yeah yeah maybe
2: (laughs) but that's that's ultimately how i my path to theater and to marymount but to echo what greg said i think by the time i reached senior year we you know we ended up having a theater company after marymount a group of people um that we all graduated with for two years before 9 11. Mm -hmm. that was we had two successful runs which is pretty Um, unheard of for like a theater company for its first production. But, but even, even at that point, I was realizing that it was the writing part of it that was really fulfilling the kind of anxiety and stress of performing for me in particular. And I I just, I didn't want it enough. And I don't think I was good enough. I mean, there were so Mm -hmm. many amazing actors that came out of that school. So I was kind of happy to step aside.
0: What was the name of the, of the theater group? That you were involved uh, the, in.
2: the theater company was Screaming News, and we did uh, an original play that I co-wrote with Daniela Tedesco, who was not a Marymount graduate, but uh, Natasha Sutsouris. And um, it, that was that was a fun, really fun play. And we had it was um, Jason Weiner was in it, Paul Marillo, oh,
0: wow. nice. um,
2: of course, Greg, um, mm-hmm. Anna Gegner did some dancing in it. She was out of the dance program. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my god, who am I forgetting? Greg now. Bringing up
0: a, bringing up a lot of big of <laughs> names. I just like wow, yeah, this yeah. a
2: uh, lot uh, of people
0: that you know that I, you know, I would love to just kind of like reconnect with. Have them on yeah. the show. Well. Yeah. yeah
2: no it was it was great fun and it's kind of amazing that we were all doing it i mean it shows the energy and like kind of chutzpah that like a bunch of 21 and 22 year olds have because we were all working you know two or three jobs and then mm-hmm. going to maurice smith was in it you know uh,
0: maurice yep
2: yeah he he played fate he was like the yeah. you know Wonderful character. Am I missing anyone, Greg? I would hate to leave anyone out. It's just that I'm old and my memory is terrible. Oh no, I'm,
1: I'm with you. I mean, it's like tapioca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you kind of got everyone on stage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Katie McGarry yeah. worked on uh, the lighting.
2: Carlos mm-hmm. Moreno directed. Carlos Moreno. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And
2: then Sarah Don Sarah did our second run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So had, wow. It was a number both both on stage and and in uh, technical aspects. We, we had a lot of Marinette people.
0: Excellent. Excellent. That's great. That's, it's it really is amazing. Just like how your, how that school and the, and that department and the people that were that we were involved with, it's just like I mean they just, it was like they just kind of like fed your desire to keep on performing, keep on creating, and everything. Everyone was involved yes. in it. It was yes. really it was like so much fun. You know, I mean, I got you know plenty of stories myself. You know, like from all the times of you know like working with all all these. You know, great people co-writing, um, co-writing the Halloween show that uh, that Joe Pospisil and I did. You know, like that was right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it was and Maurice Smith was there, too. The first year he got to play Dracula like it was <laughs> so much fun. You know, like and, you know, obviously, David Havesey was like our star, you know, and everything. And just right. you know, it, it was it was great times. It really was. And um, some, you know, those those memories and everything, you really just you, you got to hold on to those because they were really mm-hmm. special.
1: Yes, And I think, I think also there was something, one of the, I mean, there are a lot of special things about the Marymount program, but one of them uh, as well, now that we're kind of talking about the intimacy of a lot of those relationships is going to a relatively small program. Yeah. Allowed you to have really kind of personal connections with people as, you know, as opposed to maybe a larger program where it's a little more of an anonymous kind of sea of people. Yeah. So it's kind of great. You, you, we, I think we really all forged, you know, close connections and people to, you know, like this is a perfect example of people to this day that we're still kind of in touch with and who are still kind of supporting each other and, and, and you know, rooting for each other.
0: It's, it's great. Absolutely. I remember seeing uh, recently Eugene Cordero on Family Feud and I'm just like, yeah, I'm posting a picture of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eugene's on,
1: Eugene had two premieres, I think, this week on, the, on Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a voice yeah. on that. And uh, Tacoma FD, which just came back, I think, for the second season.
0: And the fact that he got name dropped by Bobby Mo- Moynihan on Howard Stern. It oh, was yeah. just, oh like, wow. I, oh, yeah. That just, that blew my mind. You know, like he's yeah. having an interview with, Bo- uh, Howard's having this interview with Bobby Moynihan from yeah. SNL. Yeah. And he's talking about like all different, like funny people and everything. And he says like one of the funniest people he knows is Eugene Cordero. I'm just like, gore. Yeah. Yeah, cool. cool. That's awesome. That's oh, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's It really feels like. Team. It, it really feels like, you know, like somebody, you know, somebody there, you know, like gets that sort of recognition. It feels like we all win, you know, just yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It was well, funny. Liz, I was sorry, go, Liz, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, George, you know, what you've done with this podcast, I think is also a an example of when you get older and you have, you know, kind of artistic um, projects that you complete and you mm-hmm. have some maturity behind it and you see other people succeeding, you can yeah. really it and I think one of the downsides to a very small school is there were moments for me at least where it kind of felt like high school and there was a a social class system and Mm -hmm. I think it took me a while to really like realize when everyone succeeded you know it was it was Mm -hmm. it was just a good reflection where I think there were earlier years where maybe I would feel threatened or I hadn't accomplished enough or I wasn't doing enough but you now I just see anyone I know when they write a book or act in something or have a podcast. I'm just like the sheer commitment it takes in this day mm-hmm. and age. You know, yeah. is really impressive.
0: I remember, I remember uh, Pete Tadros, you know, calling Queen uh, Mary Mount high school with ashtrays. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah it, it pretty much fits it right there oh, yeah, <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> but
0: i mean but at the same time i mean like everyone has just gone on to do so much you know so much great stuff and it really is just i mean all i need to do is just like kind of look up all of my you know my you know all of uh my fellow classmates and everything's like hey you want to do a show and that will like that'll fuel this podcast going for like the next couple of years yeah. you know you it's go. just and and it's not like it's not just saying like hey you went to school come on over it's like you got something going on. Come on over. And we'll talk about school. You know, So,
1: so that's, been fun, that's been the fun thing for us, us to go back and listen to the podcast that you've had with like, we, you know, we listened to the one with Christina. We listened to the one with Jonathan Neumann oh, yeah. and Dave and all those guys. And it's sort of, it's, it's, it's fun to look back and say, oh yeah, I remember when, you know, so-and-so was doing this and, yep. you know, running into so-and-so in the theater hallway and, and, and mm-hmm. everyone was kind of, you know the seed, the seeds of what everyone's doing now were kind of planted back then. It's great. It's really yeah. well,
2: and also, it's been good. I just listened to your interview with Bill Demerit, who. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I
1: listened to
2: one. It's, it makes me realize sometimes that there are people at Marymount I wish I had gotten to know better because mm-hmm. now, hearing their kind of recollections of their experiences there, there was like probably more in common than I realized. So, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that's a, a kind of side effect of what you're doing.
0: It's, it's been, it's been just a blast, you know, being able to do the show and, you know, like not only being able to, you know, talk with people from Marymount, but I mean, there are people from my high school, you know, that have gone on to do great things or people from grade school. My, uh, Mark Fratto, my second guest was someone I knew from grade school. He was doing, he was doing sports announcing for HBO, for HBO boxing. Wow. And yeah, like, I mean, this, it's, it's amazing. Like seeing this sort of just this wonderful, like creative Outlet of all 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 these great people, and it's just been been a real privilege for me to being able to to be able to have a show and everything where they can come on and you know talk about what they got going on. Which is, I mean, this is this is fantastic. I mean, like just this whole experience has just been really wonderful for me. You know, it's been very fulfilling. That's great. Yeah. So um so after Marymount, now here's a fun thing. Like, because uh, Liz, you were talking you were talking about the theater group that you that you were doing. Greg, you went into DJing for a while, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so I was, so kind of following Marymount, we had, we were working on theater stuff. I was DJing, uh, I was bar, uh, I was bartending for a bunch of years. So I was working mm-hmm. in basically two jobs and then writing on the side. And, and by that point, I had started really coming around to writing, so I was, you know, kind of dipping my toe in a bit in terms of a lot of short really? fiction. Yeah, a lot of short fiction. I mean, and it was, you know, it's when you're first starting and you're kind of... Um,
0: mm-hmm
1: you know you're trying to figure it out and you're just at that point you're basically just reading writers you like and kind of you know ripping them off so it's like yeah. you know, <laughs> trying to kind of find your style
0: hey i was doing that with films i mean like i mean i i've made i made this i've told the story before like that uh, basically what i was doing when i was filling my steno notebooks with stories in high school i was doing reverse fan fiction i was basically <laughs> okay. taking all the premises of all the different things that I had had watched and everything did this Tarantino like mashup of them and then just stuck my characters in there. And so, so yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So like all, all the stuff that, uh, that, you know, that I watched and everything and really loved growing up. I mean, that's, that's always had an influence on my writing.
1: Of course. And, And that's where you get, you know, and that's where you find your style. It's sort of like, you know, you fake everyone else's style until you get enough of your own voice, where you feel confident to kind of be able to, to do that. But what's fun about that is is what we're talking about. Like Liz and I now are at a point where we're writing sort of, we're trying to write sort of our love letter to the genre we love with yep. our own voices and with, with enough of our own references to be able to egg okay. in, you know, something from Marymount, for instance, or something that, mm-hmm. you know, something from some point in our friendship over the last two decades. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get to a point where you get comfortable enough where you can kind of riff, you know, and then that's yeah you know, and, and so the whole thing is really, yeah, it's an, I guess it's an overarching process. Um, But yeah, I was, I mean, from sort of out of, you know, shortly after college, Mm -hmm. uh, writing, and, you know, as I was getting a little more confident with that, I eventually started submitting things to, you know, literary journals and things. Uh, Really? Yeah, Liz was an early reader and, and a sort of an early editor. So I was getting a lot of great feedback from her. We, at one point, were in a writer's group together. We were also in separate writer's groups over the years. So we, our sort of creative paths, I guess, wove in and out for a number yeah. of years before we, we really kind of sat down in earnest to, to write together.
0: So was the genre of all of the short fiction that you were writing, were they all thrillers or were they all just kind of like all over the place?
1: Kind of all over the place. And it was one of those things where as a, as a reader, I sort of read across the board. So I think as a writer, I was starting to write, I was trying to you know, take those disparate influences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do write short fiction and, and, and some of it is, you know, there are other genre things or other um, formats and things like that. But certainly when we sat down to uh, write book one, it was sort of, okay, what's the stuff that we love to read and what's the stuff that we'd love to watch and talk about? And yeah. we'll reference, you know, uh, um, a plot twist from this film or from this show or what have you. Mm-hmm. And you know who writes dialogue well? You know we'll talk right. like, the things like that. The, the things it's like the things we all geek out about. Yeah. We're sort of like, okay, well, let's write the book about the things that we just geek out about back and forth that we've been doing. You know, once a week for the last mm-hmm. twenty years. Like when right. we gather to go to a movie, or we like have dinner, or have drinks, and we just are kind of riffing. And you know, what did you see? What's great? I'm sending mm-hmm. you a series, and you're sending me a film, and this is a book that you know you just read that blew your mind. And so it's it just becomes the the culmination of that which i think is wonderful
0: are you taking notes like as you're as you're writing as you're watching something or anything just like oh that's you know that's a that's an interesting little you know twist there or yeah. that's an interesting little element are you just like constantly kind of like keeping your eyes open and seeing what can what can be mined out there for you know for future material
2: absolutely yeah. i mean and i think i think that goes also for like our lives i mean mm-hmm. the the first book kind of the moment where we decided we were going to actually write a book, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of just talk about it over a lot of wine, (laughs) (laughs) was, you know, we both had had these kind of like big moments in our lives, big like crossroads, you know, we had traumatic things happen, you know, and I... I kind of was just like, I need to do, I need to do this. I need to like Mm -hmm. do the things that I've been saying I'm going to do for a long time. And in addition to talking about movies and books, you know, Greg is like one of, he's like family. So he's, we've Mm -hmm. seen each other through deaths in our families and terrible breakups Mm -hmm. and you know, you know, national disasters and all those things. And, you know, we, we had one particular conversation where we were just like, let's do this and like, let's take, the elements of the things we love, you know, Mm -hmm. which is mystery and noir and unreliable narrators and great villains and um, breakdown of trust and, you know, miscommunication and let's look, really look at it. And, you know, I had just gone through a a really painful breakup and was kind of questioning, like, why do I keep trusting the wrong people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Greg had just lost his dad and we were really talking a lot about like grief and what, what you do with anger in your yeah. life, like how you, can, how you can catalyze that into something positive instead of something self-destructive. And mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of like, I just want to fucking kill someone. And Greg was like, <laughs> let's do it on the page. And yeah. like, in that moment, you know, I went home that night and he went home that night and I sent him a opening of the book that you know, he woke wow. up to a chapter, and then he responded to that chapter in the voice of the character he was going to write, and we were off. Wow! You know? And I think so. We we definitely have mined our lives as much as we've mined the material that has kind of like t- transported us from our lives equally. Right.
0: Now I remember um, very brief, uh, very briefly seeing the um, the Entertainment Weekly article, which, by the way, like as 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 a writer. Man, the envy level went went way up when I saw that. Um, but the um, just 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 saying, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like I, you know, like I would be soulless if I didn't feel like that. You know, <laughs> exactly. Right, so, exactly, That's, that's um, competition. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and thankfully, like you know, we're not really competition because we're writing completely different, you know, different genres. Genre.
2: Yeah. Indeed. Right.
0: Exactly. And uh, I mean, obviously, like the way that I see it, you know, like in terms of writers, is that you know where. You know, we're all pushing for each other to succeed. So there's, you know, there shouldn't be, there should not be, should not be any sort of competition in right. there. The only competition that seems that, that happens is when other people are creating it and then pushing it to a point where it gets really uncomfortable. Yeah. But um, I remember seeing in that, uh, in that interview that, um, Liz, if, stop me if I'm wrong. You had experience in publishing before, correct? Before yeah, you started I- writing?
2: After I graduated Marymount, I was really, really fortunate that um, I got into book publishing instead of bartending, which was my kind of plan to bartend and act, and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, bartending would have been just bad for me in a lot of ways. So I ended up working, getting a job in the publicity department at Simon & Schuster, and that started an 18-year career in book publishing. Which was incredibly rewarding and stressful and um, thrilling, and mm-hmm. I, I worked at Simon and Schuster. I um, worked at Penguin, and then ultimately I was at Macmillan. I um, was an associate publisher on a, a newer imprint called Flatiron Books there, and wow. it was it was a phenomenal um, path because because I was a writer kind of in mm-hmm. private, yeah. um, and the fact that I kind of worked in publishing for 18 years and still wanted to be a writer says something (laughs) you know um so it what one of the reasons i think that going back to the timing piece of greg and i deciding to do this is i was seeing on on the business side that thrillers were really having a moment and Mm -hmm. publishers were really hungry for um the kind of domestic thrillers at that point. You had, you know, A.J. Finn's The Woman in the Window had just come mm-hmm. out and done phenomenally well. I mean, of course, Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl really yep. kind of picked that uh, domestic thriller to this whole other level. But, yeah. you know, when you see the thing that you've kind of been talking about in writing from like the business side, and then, you know, I was kind of thinking like, well, this is what I've been working on in my head and on paper for a long time, as had Greg. Yeah. so so the the kind of foot in the door for sure had a little bit to do with my having worked in publishing right. and and I had an agent i our our shared agent was an agent that I had for you know 15 plus years. I had just never written anything he could sell so.
0: oh wow <laughs> and and he, and he held on to you for that long?:
2: He did he had that's a lot. great. <laughs> Yeah. That's
0: great. Kudos, kudos yeah. to, to them. Like, I mean, I feel the same way with with uh, with my agents. You know, like once I, you know, once I got one, and I just, you know, was so ecstatic that I got one and everything. But at the same time, I I knew that there was still like this other book that I had pro had already, you know, set up with a different publisher. So we didn't have to worry about setting any up any sort of deal with that. But mm-hmm. then I was just like, you know, this book is taking a lot out of me. What am I going to do? Like for the next one that they're going to actually need to work with and sell yeah. it was just like yeah so and they they keep saying they you know they kept telling me it was just like no we're investing in you you know like for the long haul so i am just holding on to that it's <laughs> like and really that, and
2: that's such a good sign in any yeah. kind of rep- and I'm, I'm glad that you have someone who can say that to you
1: yeah 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 and, it's and, uh and here we are two series later i mean you know i know right. you're obviously doing your thing man that's <laughs> hats off
0: yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just working really hard to get this, uh, this last, uh, last book of this trilogy out. And, um, yeah, this one's, this is the hardest one out of the three to write. So it's been just, is that I'm right, glad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This, this one's a, uh, this one sucks. This I, I don't want to say it sucks. You know, like the whole process. Yeah. And I've been just, process. Like, it's taken a lot out of me, you know, you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, so, um, so it sounds like it was a real kind of like a fortuitous kind of thing where the the uh, the genre and the sort of you know type of stories and everything that you want to tell just so happens to be the things that are in in vogue, which mm-hmm. is that's that's always that's always a great thing you know when when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So what was the so so basically like while you're writing this book, what was it now? Were did you just start writing the just the story on itself and just kind of figuring out what it was going to be, or was it something that you guys had put like an outline together before you started writing? What was the what was the whole process of getting the woman inside uh, taken care of?
1: Well, it was interesting because you know, as as Liz mentioned, it was one of those things where it, it sort of the begin, the very beginning came out organically in that she literally went home, wrote the first chapter, emailed me that chapter, I read that. Mm-hmm you know, came back, my, my, my uh, cylinders and my brain started firing. I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to kind of kind of answer this, um, you know, this this uh, quandary that she's posed? And then, yeah. we, so essentially what happened is, I guess we sort of figured out the, the main character dynamic initially. And then mm-hmm. from there, once we got a couple chapters in, then we figured out, okay, well, now we have to sort of start to shape the story. So then we put a framework. We had a sort of an overarching theme. We put a framework in place um we we, i think pretty early on if i'm remembering right liz we sort of said okay let's do a three-act structure and that's going to help anchor us in terms of turning points big things like that and then from there we we never really we never mapped it out where we were doing okay chapter by chapter or anything like that it was more that we had this sort of loose framework in mind and because the characters were starting to kind of gain a bit of momentum on their own we were able Mm -hmm. to kind of take them in some directions and there are a few things where a few instances where we would hit a wall where something we'd have to kind of pivot out of something, but then that often would actually lead us in a better direction. So a lot of it was on the fly. And I think also, you know, going back to Marymount, having done improv and having had a little bit of that kind of training, we Mm -hmm. were able to almost write in an improvisatory improvisatory way where we were thinking on our feet and
0: we would sort of move as the characters seem to to move. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. That's really cool. And so, um, so what was your, what were your thoughts when coming up with the characters that that were in this? You know, like what did you, were there certain things that you wanted to do with these characters? Were there certain things you just found yourself doing with them? What was the uh, what was the whole, what was the whole um, setup with that?
2: Well, what, there's definitely, well, Greg came up with the detective characters who feature in both the first and second books. Um, mm-hmm. Our books are standalone, but they take place in the same kind of territory and the same two detectives, Walcott and Silvestri. So nice. he told me that same night that we decided to do this. He's like, I've I've got these guys named. They were basically like writing themselves in his head, if I'm oh, not rewriting history, Greg. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and he he usually names our characters because he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. And and then as far as like the main characters, you know, Paul, who plays the husband, he's kind of a composite of people that we really know in real life. Oh. And and I won't I,
0: ask, I won't ask.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you may know I, one of the, or two of them as well. I will not ask, yeah, let's just say that.
2: <laughs> I, and I didn't feel bad about writing those people into a composite character because they'll never read this book because that's just the kind of wonderful people they are nice
0: Um, okay yep I definitely won't ask (laughs) now
2: and then you know there's there's a lot of um in thriller fiction and mysteries you there's a there's kind of a a certain female and Mm -hmm. kind of controversial um some people would say kind of anti-feminist female characters mistresses and girlfriends and jealous types um i i disagree that's a whole other podcast but mm-hmm. wanted to kind of work with that you know females having agency over their own lives but also with like the guiding principle of vengeance you know uh-huh. um so so we would kind of have these like ideas and overarching themes that we would agree we're gonna we factor into these characters but then part of the improvising was like you would be telling. I would be telling backstory, or Greg would have backstory in his character. That would be a complete surprise to me, mm-hmm. and it would be amazing because it's like actually being a reader in your own book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, I think we really try and still do that. We're we're currently working on our third book, and mm-hmm. it changes with every book. The process for sure. You do have to kind of outline more now, where we do. Yeah. Um, but I still really appreciate the moments when I'll read something that Greg's written and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) What, What, like, how is, what am I going to do with this? This is so great. It's like a puzzle, you know, and it's like getting a really hard clue or, um, you know, looking for that lost piece of the puzzle under the table. It's just like, it's the fun of it.
0: Yeah. And being, a fan, and being a fan of the genres, as you def, both of you definitely are, you can kind of take those tropes and deconstruct them and have some fun with them to a, in, a, in a way that almost basically kind of comes off as like a love letter to it, you know, to the, to the genre itself.
1: Yeah, yeah largely. I think, that, I think that was part of the big appeal of doing this, is, is being able to do that and, and have it be the love letter where you can, you know, I mean, exactly kind of what you were saying right now.
0: Mm-hmm. That was- so what... So the, uh, so you go through the whole process, like the, write, the, the writing, the editing and everything, getting it all together. Um, what, uh, what, was the, what was the publishing path for, for this?
2: Well, we had, um, as I mentioned, our agent, Christopher Schelling, who um, mm-hmm. has an agency, Selectric um, Literary, he had known we were working on something. So we, what we did is we wrote the first part of it Mm -hmm. and we sent it to him and he um got back to us and he said come out to my house (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about this and we felt we felt like it was fairly positive Mm -hmm. and um we went out to his farm, and mm-hmm. he proceeded to sit with us for an extended period of time and tell us everything he liked about it, but then all the work that needed to be done on it. And mm-hmm. the amazing thing about our agent is that he had been an editor in-house for years. So not all oh, these have been editors. So we yeah. really benefit from his experience in how to craft a story. And, um, and he's kind of no-nonsense. He'll be like, this character doesn't need to be here, or, or whatever it is. And then once we got that feedback, we were really kind of on a tear and we wrote the rest of the manuscript. And then when he was happy with it and we, when we were happy with it, he, he did a submission. Um, mm-hmm. One of the unique things about our submission process is we, uh, you know, we write under a pen name. And part of that right. reason is we wanted to unify, you know have a singular name for the singular mm-hmm. voice, but because I was still working in book publishing, I didn't want, we didn't want to submit it um, under my name for a multitude of reasons. But one of them was, is if no one wanted to buy it, I still had to go to work every day.
0: Ah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that felt awkward and vulnerable. Um, and then, you know, he, so he submitted it to the major houses to a, a collection of really great editors and said you know these are two people writing under one name one is a publishing professional and the other is a a screenwriter and short story writer and if you are interested in this seriously interested you can like know who it is which Mm -hmm. you know was nice to have some intrigue just in the submission and And it's and it's
0: a thriller anyway it's like a mystery kind of thriller anyway so (laughs) it adds to the to the fun of it all
2: it does um so it was it was really exciting and we got um, we got some incredible interest, you know, just like editors who are, are so um, talented and ultimately got an offer we couldn't refuse from Dutton. Um, mm. who, you know, Dutton is an imprint of Penguin Random House with oh, an incredible wow. editor, John Parsley, who's also the editorial director over there. And um, with him came a team of great people. So it was just, you know, and it was really, it was a nice full circle because Dutton didn't know it was me initially. They, of mm-hmm. course, found out, but I had, I had done publicity for their paperback imprint, Plume. So they all knew me. Um, nice, you know, nice. It was kind yeah. of a nice. I mean, I hope, I hope for them. They told me right. about, <laughs> about that.
0: <laughs> um, so, so you had, so, um, so totally understand the need for that kind of combined pen name. Um, how did, uh, how did it come around? You know, like, I, I understand like EG, obviously it's, it's right there, but uh, where did Scott come in?
1: Well, it, here's the funny thing is we had to sort of reverse engineer this. It it wasn't originally uh, EG Scott. It was originally going to be, we were going back and forth and again, to Liz's point, we wanted to figure out a way to kind of have it be a unified name as a unified, you know, voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, our initial, our initial plan was let's use both of our middle names um, ah. because, you know, we, we thought it had a nice ring to it. But mm-hmm. as in the publishing process with everything else, everything sort of ends up being by committee. So it's the two of us, but then it's also our agent and then it's our editor and then it's everyone else who's at the table. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought um, the, sort of the consensus was that um, McCullough Scott sounded more like a sort of a, a romance novelist, you know, something <laughs> like <laughs> Like a wind, like a wind swept Fabio yep. on the beach you know <laughs> on with, the, the
0: with, the Harle- with the Harlequin imprint, though. Yeah. Oh, right yep yeah. <laughs> so, so so we decided
1: okay let' we'll figure out something that's a little bit more on brand with thrillers and suspense mm-hmm. right. so we ended up basically Scott is my middle name we used E and G for both of our initials. however, right. we stumbled upon uh, a lucrative second uh, life as writers for when, right. the, when, when when the thriller genre goes off the rails, we can then go into Harlequin romances and have a whole Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so. bodice rippers and maybe we can get Jason wiener to be on the cover
1: of you
2: the mass you market go. paperback. We can get that going on. Yeah. We love you wiens.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> so the uh so so you ha- so you have your home and you have the uh you know the book and everything is coming is, is coming together. And what was uh how did, how did everything fall into place regarding the publicity? Cause I mean, the sort of, you know, the sort of publicity you guys have, have gotten from this has just been really remarkable. It's something that I was just like, okay, I really need to pick my brain um, about this um, for, my own, for my own future uh, of exploitation. So, um, so this is me doing that right now. How did, how did all of that come together? Cause that was, that, that was pretty amazing.
2: Well, I mean, I think it was absolutely a perfect storm, and um, I certainly can't take any credit because, you know, once I, like across the line of going from publishing person to author, I kind of made a vow that I was not gonna try and micromanage our publication. Mm -hmm. Um, We were just incredibly fortunate that Dutton has like these publicity and marketing people who are so fired up and so enthusiastic. I think we really benefited from, as I mentioned, the success of A.J. Finn, who had also been a publishing insider, who had done incredibly well. Um, Dan Mallory, who was an editor, um, before he became a full-time writer. So I think that there was, you know, the Entertainment Weekly piece that you saw was, was playing a lot on that. And then we were incredibly fortunate that we got a, a, a series option from Blumhouse right around the time the book sold so there there was you know kind of the collective coverage in both like the book and the film so oh, wow. it was it was it was a timing it was like a blessing timing um situation and then people who just really were getting the word out for us
0: about the book yeah that's fantastic wow yeah <laughs> oh man oh man so no, uh,
2: It was lightning striking, you know, once and kind of twice and it was we're so grateful for it, you know. We we realize how rare it is. It's really
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I am just like blown away by that. So the um so when you after after you got after you found a home and everything for this for this first book, um, were you immediately thinking of, you know, different stories for these characters or was it something that uh, you felt like um you were thinking about doing like kind of one at a time as they go.
1: Well, we ended up the way, the way the deal work was done, which, which was great for us as well as we ended up getting a two book deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we, so what we did is we ended up, you know, we submitted the first one at that point, we really had a finished manuscript, which they read. Right. Uh, and then we had had, you know, Liz and I are always spitballing ideas, which is one of the, oh, one nice. of the great things about having a writing partner is like part of the fun is just kicking around ideas of, you know, what, what could this be? What could this story be? Mm-hmm. So you're throwing stuff at the wall, you know, fairly regularly. So yeah. when, 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 when it became apparent that Dunn was interested in doing the two book deal, we sort of had to do a bit of a hurry up and go on that. But because we had had a number of ideas sort of in the, in the, you know, in the pocket, mm-hmm. we kind of sat down and we, we did what we always do and we kind of spitballed and brainstormed. And book two, in case of emergency, that whole premise came out of something that Liz had had that I thought was just such an irresistible, you know, concept for a story, which was what would happen if somebody who had been um, listed as an emergency contact showed mm-hmm. up, you know, at the morgue and realized that they had never met this person. I just was like, okay, that's-, that's oh. the- that's such a delicious idea.
0: Yeah, we can have
1: so much. Like, there's so many fun directions we can take that in. And so mm-hmm. I think that, again, by consensus, everyone's sort of on our on our uh, creative team at that point. So, yeah, that's that sounds like the way to, you know, that sounds like the the path to go down. And then it was again, it was just the two of us trying to figure out how do we tell that story.
0: Oh man, that's so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> Oh man. So I'm, I'm very much like looking forward to, you know, taking a look at that too. That sounds, that sounds like a blast. Um, So, um, so you guys were also like, you know, doing a lot of touring and everything with, uh, with, you know, COVID being what it, what it is, has that been interfering with uh, with all the touring? Have you been able to kind of like work around that?
2: Well, I mean, we have done the, all of the in case of emergency press we've done virtually, um, mm-hmm. you know, we did for the woman inside, um, like a multiple city tour, which was really incredible to meet booksellers and readers, but it's, it's hard. And yeah. um, there, there is a different kind of exhaustion that I think only people who like go on tour know about. Mm-hmm um so for the the way the world is right now we've been doing a lot from the comfort of our couches we've done some things together and some separate um you know my kind of homebody, introverted self aside from mm-hmm. you know the reasons why we're all inside which are not good I don't want to say yeah. I'm a fan of the pandemic but yeah. <laughs> you know the, the silver lining um as far as the book promotion has gone is like I can sit in my home you know business on top where like a A Zoom ready shirt, but also be in my sweatpants. There you Uh, go. And you know, kind of echoing back to what I was talking about with like stage fright. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's taken a lot of the anxiety out of Mm -hmm. doing the events, um, and it's been really focusing in terms of like thinking about the book and really having thoughtful conversations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we like everyone else, we've just been trying to like work with what we can in this this new reality. um but it's been i mean greg i you had a really some really great thoughts about it yesterday about just like the community of readers that have kind of come together during this time
1: well yeah i think it's what's what's if you want to look at the silver lining of this whole situation what has been great is that we get to do more stuff like this you know Mm -hmm. we get to do your podcast we get to talk to bookstagrammers we get to talk to readers we get to talk to other writers and it's nice it's People have been, I think, because everyone realizes we're sort of all in a similar boat, and that normally we would be relying very heavily on going out and, you know, touring the book and meeting readers and sort of having that that interaction. I think people have been really supportive and have have tried to, you know, push other readers that they know or whose work they love, or to like, you know, kind of keep the keep the energy going around that and to really kind of create this um, this this sort of this network of. Um, sort of a, I don't know, a, like a, just a, a sh- kind of a shared promotional thing. And it's been nice. It's been really hardening to see that, to be to feel to feel a part of that community and just to see the sort of the, the best of, you know, people come out to really like look out for each other and help out. It's been yeah. something really, uh, you know, yeah, I think I, I, I'm optimistic about that.
0: I would say. Excellent. Excellent. Now um, say there are some listeners out there that want to kind of following the path of EG Scott that want to put together their own, their own works and, and get that out there. What sort of advice would you have for them?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, the most important thing is to kind of figure out your intention in writing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, I, I encountered this so much when I was on the other side of the desk and book publishing is, you know, everyone kind of felt like they had a book in them Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants to write a book. And I think we all have stories in us, no doubt. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's like an endurance sport. You know, Mm -hmm. you really have to have like the discipline and the desire to write the book, not just to have written a book and have Mm -hmm. the book event and, you know, kind of have the glory because let's face it, for like most writers, there's not a lot of fame and glory or money. It's a really, it's like acting. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you know the advice that I always try and take for myself is you know every day try and connect to what it is about this, why I'm doing it, and it's the mm-hmm. process. And if yeah. you can kind of plug into that, you know if it is in fact the process, just go in that direction and don't worry about the publishing process. Don't think about finding the agent or the publisher or hitting the bestseller list until you actually have a book you feel really good about because none of that other stuff even matters. And frankly, I think that kind of um, thinking or future tripping or obsessing can take you off the course of the real importance, which is developing the story and the characters. Mm
0: -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
2: that that would be my advice is just, you know, obviously write, sit down every day that you can and write something, Mm -hmm. but like, enjoy it. If you find that it's just not something that you're connecting with, then, you know, maybe try a different form of creative expression until you can find your way back to the sea
1: yeah for sure i would say yeah i would absolutely echo everything liz said i mean i'm thinking about the experience george of reading your book and part of i think what connects a reader to that book is it's obvious how passionate you are about what you're writing about mm-hmm. you know what i mean no and obviously yeah. we have the we have the luxury of knowing you but it's right. like I think that someone, I'm trying to imagine someone who doesn't know you personally reading that. I think that that comes across. I think that the the passion you have for that and the fun you're having writing those characters and everything, I think that that's something that really translates. And so yeah, find that thing that you connect with and write that. And also as much as possible, and I think it's hard to do. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, Liz and I have had this conversation, as much as you can as a creative person, try to leave your ego out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. try and make it about what you're doing and, and, a lot of the other stuff ends up becoming a roadblock or a hindrance when it's, when it's ego-based. So as much as you can
0: do that, try and try and kind of leave that at the door. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, where can our uh, listeners find you on social media?
2: We're on all the socials at EG Scott writes mm-hmm. and uh, our website, EG has, you know, kind of updates and our virtual tour information. We've got a virtual event coming up on the 15th. Um, which should be really fun. Um, And we got updated. So if anyone wants to be in touch with us, they can also contact us directly through the site.
0: Fabulous, fabulous. (laughs) And yeah, this, you you guys just really kind of, you know, put it out there just that um, whatever you are doing, you (laughs) need to make sure that you have the passion to see it through. And you guys have the extra luxury of knowing each other for so long and knowing how you can both, you know, communicate with each other and put together something that you can both really enjoy. And which is something I feel that there, are, you know, there are so many people that are out there that really need to do. If you don't, if you feel like, uh, feel like you need to tag up with someone or, you know, te- get in, involved in like a team of different people, by all means, please do so. Just make sure that you have the passion to see it through and you have the drive to see it through. The last thing that anyone really needs right now is a bunch of unfinished work sitting in their drawer. So get it out there, communicate with with, uh, with your people, get those works finished, get them out there because there are so many people out there that cannot wait to read them. And a lot of those people are looking forward to reading the books by E.G. Scott. And Liz, Greg, it's been a, a real thrill having both of you here. And for E.G. Scott, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I'll see you next week.